Oh, Pastor Rick Umali is here? Oh, there you go. Pastor Rick Umali is here. Pastor Rick Umali is from Manila. So we are being invaded by pastors from CCF. Welcome. Okay. Okay, let's settle down. Um, can we all um, ask you to rise as we take a look at the Word of God? Please rise. And we'll take a look at the passage from Romans, verses 5 to 14. In fact, the whole chapter is about the life that we have in the Spirit. But this passage, I, I hope you will uh, read carefully and deliberately to see the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as you read it, I'd like you to take note of how many times the word ruled is being used here. So let's, let's, let's read scriptures. Verse 5. People. happening. <laughs> Sorry. You are no longer ruled by your desires, but by God's Spirit who lives in you. Yet God raised Jesus to life. God's Spirit now lives in you. And he will raise you to life by his spirit. My dear friends, we must not live to satisfy our desires. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you again for your word. Your word is alive. It pierces our hearts. And Lord, we ask for no less this morning that your words like pierce our hearts and judge our thoughts and our intentions. Father, we pray that um, the role of your spirit will be clear, very clear in our lives. As we become the kind of people that you want us to be, Help us to realize how dependent we should be on the Spirit. Lord, we desire to be disciples. We desire to be better Christians. And we pray that your Spirit will just teach us today how that will come to pass. Lord, I commit myself to you. Apart from your Spirit, I cannot do anything. Apart from your Spirit, we cannot be changed. We cannot go any better than where we are right now, fallen and sinful as we are. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you. Just fill us, change us by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> As we have read, 
and I, I hope you have picked it up. Only the Holy Spirit can change hearts and transform lives. I will repeat that. Only the Holy Spirit can change hearts and transform lives. So, husbands, you cannot transform your wives. Wives, you cannot transform your husbands. Parents, parents, you cannot transform your children because only God can transform lives. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who can transform lives. So if we desire people to change, and we do, don't we? You know, we like our children to be the best. We like our husband to be the best. Don't force it upon them because that's not going to happen, Christine. Only God can change Mike. Okay? Only the Holy Spirit can change Mike. He alone, the Holy Spirit alone, equips, teaches, reminds, convicts, helps, leads, reveals, and counsels who? The disciple. When I say the disciple, I mean the Christian. You know, the Holy Spirit cannot interfere just about anyone. In other words, if you expect the Holy Spirit to interfere in the lives of everyone, then this whole world is going to be better, right? But you see, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He only interferes in the life of a Christian. Are you Christians? Hello? If we are, then the Holy Spirit can interfere and be the one to do this for us. You and I are the disciples, and He alone equips. Therefore, He is the primary discipler of people who will disciple others. Did you get that? He alone is the discipler. And this morning, I want to talk about Spirit-ruled, Holy Spirit-empowered discipleship. Holy Spirit-ruled, Holy Spirit-empowered discipleship. Why do I want to talk about that? Because, you know, we, we, we keep saying here in CCF, we here in CCF, we're all about discipleship. We keep, we keep saying that. And, you know, we, we will keep saying that until we die. And um, I have to confess to you that we're not there yet. We, we're hardly there, you know. And, and we are moving in the right direction. And God willing, we're going to fulfill this. Pastor Song, myself, and all of the other leaders are committed to make this happen. But we're not there yet. And I hope that you're beginning to feel and see that where we are going. For the past five weeks, we've talked about the four pillars of discipleship. Haven't we? Right? Why did we talk about that? Because we want you to see where we are headed. We want you to see that in each and every one of us, we would like to build four pillars that will make us the kind of disciples that God wants us to be. After having done that, we will go to application. You know, first, our head, and then our hearts, and then our hands. Right? That's how it's supposed to work. And that's why we will never, never cease to remind you that here in CCF, it's all about discipleship. It's all about making disciples. Making disciples. Why make disciples? You know, why make disciples? I, I would like every single one of us to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Why make disciples? You know why? Because Jesus commanded it. Because Jesus said so. Because it pleases God. 
Okay? Jesus said it, and if you obey it, it will please God, right? If God is pleased, then what happens? We have intimacy with Him. We are close to God because God is happy with us. That's why we make disciples. Of course, aside from the fact that that is, that is the command of God, what's more important is it assures us of God's presence. Look at the command again. We keep seeing this almost every Sunday. And by now, I hope you've memorized it. Okay? Matthew 28, 18-20, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, He said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he gives the command. Verse 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he promises what? Lo, I am with you always, God's presence, up to the very end of the age. So, why why is it that you know God wants us to be be discipling? Because we He wants us to experience His presence. Because in God's presence, we will be distinguished. When I say distinguished, I mean attractive disciples. You know, many of many times people come to Christ because of what they see in others. And if we make disciples, if we obey God's commands, the promise is that we will become attractive disciples. Why? Because we will be in God's presence. He said that. Where did he promise that? Well, I'll go back to Exodus when Moses was pleading, was pleading to God to make his presence felt in the midst of the Israelites. And I would like to remind you what God promised. In verse 14, he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you what? Rest. And many times, that's what we need. The world out there is so tired. He's so restless, he's so worried, he's so fallen, he's so sick. And the most, the best thing that we that can happen to us is to be rested. And then he insisted, what else, Lord? In verse 16, for how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people? So when God is with us, we have rest. And when we have rest, we are distinguished. Meaning what? It makes us attractive Christians. You know, look to the person beside you and tell the person beside you, you look attractive. Okay. <laughs> I don't mean physically. I mean your, your, your inner life looks very attractive. And I'm just so attracted to you. So again, why, why, does, God, why does God command his people to make disciples? Why does God... Command these people to make disciples. Not only because it's a command, it is extremely important to God. Why does God say, you know, Mike, make disciples. Philippe, make disciples. Tony, make disciples. Why? Why does he say to his disciples to make disciples? Because it's extremely important to him. Extremely important to him. Why? Take a look at this. Because it is God's prescribed or only way to help bring salvation and change in this fallen, broken, and lost world that we live in. You understand what I'm saying? God sees the world out there, as you see the world out there. We live in the world out there that's so broken. You know, we probably have become so, um, uh, what do you call that, so used to it that we never see the difference anymore. But you know, God knows. God knows the world out there the world we live in is so broken, is so lost, 
that he said, the only way that I can redeem this lost world is by you guys making disciples. Making disciples. And I'm not surprised. That's the reason why many church leaders today, the like of Edmund Chan, the likes of Bill Hybel, you know, these are, these are, these are known pastors. And you know what? They have committed their lives to discipleship. Look at what uh, Edmund, Edmund Chan said. Remember when we took a look at this series from uh, in January? He said something like this. Intentional discipleship is key to global evangelization. You see that? If you want to save the world, he said, you have to disciple. This guy is committed. In the Philippines in May, he's going to bring in 10,000 leaders and they will be meeting in the new facility of CCF. Rick? Right? In May, uh, everybody will be there and all of the pastors, 10,000 of them, will be taught discipleship. Why? Because he believes that the only way to evangelize this world is through intentional discipleship. He knows. He knows it's important to God. God said it's the only way. That's why he's doing it. And then Bill Heibel. Bill Heibel, the Willow Creek Church, committed the same thing, I think, through his lifetime. He said, you know, folks, the local church is the hope of the world. What is, his, what is he saying? Why is he saying the world needs hope? Is the world hopeless? Answer, yes. Tony, yes, the world is hopeless. And I will make, make that point shortly. And he said, you know, if we have to offer any hope to this world, the only thing that we can offer is what? The local church. And the local church made up of what? Discipled, healthy people. You and me. And that's the reason why CCF exists. And I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you part of this because you see it the way we see it. A church committed to making healthy Christians that will make a difference in the world so that the world will have hope. Say to each other, you are the hope of the world. Come on. You are the hope of the world. You are the hope of the world. You're the man. Okay. And then, you know, recently, this just happened this week. You know, my son and Pastor Reggie, they went to the Catalyst. Okay. And where is my son? Okay. There he is. Okay. In fact, he's wearing a t-shirt. Okay. Of the Catalyst. And he told me, I, when I asked him, how was it, Dion? He said, yeah, it was, it was good. I'm going to start saving money for next year because he wants to attend it, he said. And, and you know, one of the things that I said, what's the highlight? He said, uh, this guy, Francis Chan. Francis Chan is a pastor here in California. He left his church to do something else. And, you know, recently, he, this, just this week, he spoke at the Catalyst. And my son said, you know, uh, his, his message was the one that grabbed me. I said, why? Because all of the other speakers were feel-good speakers. You know, they make you feel good. But this Francis Chan stood up and made everybody uncomfortable. You know why? Because he said, we have so much passion here as we are gathered here together. And I, I, I'm not, I don't want to be misquoted, but my son said, you know, I sure hope that this passion exists in our local churches. Because you know what? They don't. And that's the reason why he came up with this book. My son bought the book. I haven't read it. And all of a sudden, this guy starts talking about multiply. Multiply. The book is multiply. And he's saying here, disciples making disciples. 
Wow! Isn't God telling us something? Why is discipleship very important? Because it is the hope of the world. You know, in fact, the conference title, Pastor Reggie, is Make. <laughs> make. I don't know. Well, but you know, I can sure, I can sure associate it with make disciples. And that's the reason why the church is very important. These people are committed because God said discipleship is very important. Why? Rested, distinguished disciples will form a healthy and effective church, right? That can be what? That can be the hope of this lost, restless, fallen world. The sooner we admit and see the problem, the more excited we will be about what we will be doing. My prayer is that we will not come here Sunday after Sunday just being together, celebrating. That's fine. But I hope that we grow beyond that and start seeing why we are here. We can offer hope to the world by simply being what? Rested, distinguished disciples that God wants us to be. And who's going to make that happen? Discipleship. And who's going to take care of that? The Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about. Not me. I I can be instrumental. Not George. Okay? Oh, by the way, did you see them? They were a new set of singers today, huh? They were wonderful, right? They still did not accept me as part of the group, okay? For some reason. I don't know why. Thesis. Is our world really fallen? Yes or no? Hello? Is our world lost, restless, and dying? You bet it is. It is. In fact, our world today is shaping up like a skeleton, okay? Sooner or later, it will die. You know, it is so full of, of, of deception. Just yesterday, I was talking to someone, and he was insisting that everybody in the world is saved because Jesus died on the cross. What? You know, he, he started right. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But his conclusion was wrong. His conclusion was, because Jesus Christ died on the cross, everyone is saved. You agree that that is the case? No. Not everyone is saved. You have to believe and you have to show that you truly are saved by your life. Why is the world today so lost and restless? You know why? I think you know. But I'd, I'd, I'd be quick to offer you the reason why. Pride, greed, selfishness. That's the reason why the world today is so fallen and restless. You agree? Just go out there. People are clawing for what? Themselves. Everybody is fighting for themselves. I am more important than you. I'm going to be better than you. I'm going to get much more than you. That's the reason why the world today is where it is. And in technical language, selfishness and pride is what you know as what? Sin. You know, if you put sin under the microscope, you will realize that sin is a separation between man and God. Okay? If man is separated from God, God is not present with you. If God is not present with you, you are not rested. If God is, if you are not rested, you will be restless. You'll be fallen. You'll be lost. And that's what you have today in the world. Do you get it? The world needs God. The world needs us to be able to show them that there is a God who can fix the sin problem. And that's why we're talking about discipleship. The world is indeed fallen and sick. 
I'd like to sh- you to show. Uh, I'd like to show two videos, okay? And I'd like you to judge for yourself. And I hope that this sets the tone for the message today. And and as you take a look at it, consider the adverse effect of sin on people. Okay? Maybe you will see yourself in this video. But consider the effect of sin on people. And more importantly, take a look at the solution that is being offered by the people who are there. Ah. Ah. Rough morning. Rough life. Yeah. You know, here I am, stuck riding the bus. Wife took the car. Oh, yeah. That is rough. No, to Yonkers with the kids to stay with a man. It's my own fault, though. I made a mistake. A big mistake. Don't know if the old marriage is going to survive. Oh, yeah. Where are you going? I don't know. You don't know. Just going. Mm-hmm. I thought I might look for a job or something. I lost mine. It's all related to... Why your wife left. Yeah. Yeah. She may not come back. She may not. <laughs> anyway. Well, what else? What else what? Well, what other stuff have you done? Stuff. Yeah, you know, rotten stuff. I'm sure that's not it. What are you, some sort of psychiatrist or something? Uh, never mind. Uh, you don't need to go into my life. We're both here. You're thinking about it anyway. I mean, you might as well. Well, I haven't spent much time with my kids. Mm, yeah. And uh, haven't had the most honest business practices, that's for sure. <laughs> no integrity, sure. I was in the Air Force for a while, though. Really? No. Um, that's actually a lie. I was wanted to be a pilot. I, I, I don't know why I lie all the time. It's ridiculous. I, I, I lie to everyone. Yeah, especially yourself. <laughs> Too proud to be a loser, I guess. Loser. I'm sorry, I don't understand why you're taking such joy in my situation. No, uh, no I take no joy in your oh, situation. Oh, no, you are taking joy in my situation. You're laughing and giggling <laughs> the whole time since I showed up. What? I'm not laughing at you. All right, this doesn't have anything to do with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's me. You're me, or at least I was you, you know, not too long ago. I've been there, man. Everything you've said, I've done. <laughs> or at least similar. Maybe worse. I don't know. I don't know your whole story. Why on earth are you smiling here? Because grace and love and forgiveness. They're like water when it's poured out and it and it runs into the the, the cracks and the, the low, low places. Because that's me now. That's me today. Drenched in grace and love and forgiveness. It could be you too, if you want it. I want to show you another video.
Can we just get some coffee? Just go up here to the coffee place and grab some. You're going to leave without saying a word, no goodbye, no nothing. I love you, you know. I do, no matter what, and you need to know that. Yeah, right. What do you mean by that? I don't mean anything by it. Yeah, what are you trying to say by doing that? I'm not trying to say anything. Sure you are. Come on, Jimmy, what is there to say? I've been cheating on you. You want details? Is that it, details? Just slow down, please. Just go out and grab a cup of coffee. That's all I'm You really need to stop forgiving me like this, Jimmy. I'm leaving. Lisa. Lisa, please. No, here. Here's your ring. Would you please just take the ring? Come on, Lisa. After all those nights that I waited up for you, you can't give me the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee? Jimmy, please. Just a cup. No. A single cup of coffee, that's all I'm asking. What is it with you and the coffee? You make it sound like salvation or something. I don't want coffee. Would you please just take the ring? Why don't you just take it to a pawn shop and hawk it or something? I'm not taking it back. You know, Jimmy, it's not just the infidelity. Your birthday? I wasn't at work like I said I was. I was with somebody else. Somebody else? You know what I mean. That pocket watch I gave you? I didn't have time to go get your gift. So he gave it to me. That was his watch. Maybe you ought to give that back to him. Can't you see what I mean? I tried to be a good wife to you, I did. But there's something wrong with me, I can't do it. And you're a good man, Jimmy, you deserve better than that. I don't want better than that, I want my wife. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> no, you cannot love this. Nobody can care for this. stupid? That I can't see that you're a walking contradiction? And why can't I love you? It's my heart. It's my love. I can do with it what I want. I can love my mother. I can love watching bees suck nectar from a flower. And I can love your eyes when they're desperate and lonely like this. It's mine. I'm allowed. And right now, I invest my love in you because that is who I am. I'm your husband. I'm the man who promised you through thick and thin. And if you could feel those words in the way that I mean them right now, you wouldn't question whether I'm capable of loving you or not. You would say no. He loves me that much. I'm only asking for a cup of coffee.
Wow. Here's my thesis. Folks, imagine the life trajectory of the man who had it all so broken up and the woman who's living her husband. Imagine their life trajectory if no one interfered. I think the man will just go crazy and even go suicidal for all the failures he's experiencing. I think the woman will go from one affair to another, just going deeper and deeper into sin. Imagine if nobody interfered. Without the intervention of godly men, touched by God, and who told them that they too are loved and forgiven by God's goodness and grace, I don't know what's going to happen to those people. Ladies and gentlemen, that is discipleship. That's you and me interfering in the lives of each other so that we can change the trajectory of our fallen world. And it's worth it. Worth it. That's God. That's the reason why God wants us to disciple. Godly men are disciples who are discipling others. And that's what we stand for. So I appeal to you, be a disciple who will disciple others. Say that to each other. Be a disciple. Be a disciple. Disciple others. Last week, Pastor De Mong, okay? De Mong Yong, okay? What's his name? De Mong Chan, okay? Yeah. Shared with us a message on following Christ. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We're very consistent. The reason why we want to follow Jesus is we, he, first we follow Jesus and then he's going to make us fishers of men. And folks, make no mistake about it. I want you to get all of the four pillars. You know, we send you summaries every Sunday, every, every week, right? Our sister Anne goes through a lot of time preparing these summaries. Can you go backtrack and pick up the four pillars and then review them over and over again? Because if we are to make disciples, we are going to build these four pillars in each and every one of us. But first, we will develop friendship. We will develop relationship with one another. I mean this. Even if I don't have the time in the world, believe me, I'm going to ask Pastor Insong and myself and the rest of the leaders to go find time and develop friendship with you. I want to be friends with you, Alex. Sean, I want to be friends with you. I'll find time. Maybe I will not be there for you every week, but I'll find time. Mike, Alex, I'll find time. I want to be friends with you. Why? Because as we are friends, we can push one another in these areas of four, the pillars of discipleship. I would like to remind us that, hey, we need to love God supremely more than anything else. 
far beyond what this world has to offer. God first. And our friendship will make us interfere with one another so that we can refrain where we are going. I would like to remind you that, hey, you know what? Before you can love God with all of your heart, you have to spend time devoting yourself to the Word of God. And that's why you have to attend Bible studies like everyone else to grow. And then you know what? As we learn more and more about you and your love for us, I hope that we will learn to deny ourselves. We will die to ourselves. Remember the video? Remember that man? His wife was leaving. And what could he say? Was he thinking about himself? No. Was there was there denial of self there, guys? Hello? He denied himself completely, right? He was cheated upon. And what did he say? No. I will still accept you for who you are. What was happening there? There was a reflection of Christ's like towards the unlovable. That's what you and I need to do to be able to change the trajectories of people who are going down and falling down. And that's what you will be because God will touch your lives too. And you know what? When that happens, we can change this world. We can make a difference in this world that is dying and is lost. I'm not going to make that happen. Sure, I'm going to be friends with you, but you know what was going to make that happen? The Holy Spirit. And my prayer is you will understand that it will be the Holy Spirit. We cannot become the disciples that God wants us to be apart from the Holy Spirit. We will be there for you. We will try to help, but it will not be us who will make it happen. It will be you and your decision to be led and be controlled by the Spirit of God. And that's why we want to learn much, much more what it means to be Holy Spirit ruled, Holy Spirit empowered, Holy Spirit led disciples. Remember, only the Holy Spirit can change hearts. He alone equips, teaches, convicts, helps, leads, reveals, counsels. He alone makes disciples who will make others disciples. He alone can teach us unconditional and sacrificial love, humility, and selflessness. He alone. He alone. In the passage we read, here is how the Holy Spirit can help us become good disciples. Verse 5, people who are ruled by their desires think only of themselves. What is that? I keep making a mistake, Pastor Insong. Okay, what is that? That is selfishness and pride, right? And then everyone who is ruled by the Holy Spirit thinks about spiritual things. It's the opposite. Self, the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, if our minds are ruled by our desires, we will die. You like that? I don't like that. I like the opposite. But if our minds are ruled by the Spirit, we will have what? Life and peace. The world out there is dying. The world out there needs life and peace. And that can only be found in Christ and in the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, our desires fight against God because they do not and cannot obey God's laws. If we follow our desires, we cannot please God. Wow, aren't we desperate? <laughs> We're made up of what? Sin. Our body is so, I guess, decayed that we cannot really please God. That's why if we are in sin, definitely we have no intimacy with God. Continuing, verse 9, 
You are no longer ruled by your desires, but by God's Spirit who lives in you. People who don't have the Spirit of Christ in them don't belong to Him. I, I, I would like you to take note of that. People who don't have the Spirit of Christ in them do not belong to Him. Meaning what? They're not Christians. How do you know if you're a Christian? I look at you right now. How do you know if you're a Christian? You know what the answer is? If you have the Holy Spirit in you. How do you know if you have the Holy Spirit in you? Wow. That's a very good question, isn't it? And I hope that we can find answers to that as we go together and learn from one another. No Holy Spirit, no life, no God's presence. Verse 10, but Christ lives in you. Wow, that's us. You who are alive because God has accepted you, even though your bodies must die because of your sins. Yet God raised Jesus to life. God's Spirit now lives in you, and He will raise you to life by His Spirit. The Spirit in you means what? God's presence. So you see the contrast? Without the Spirit, it's dead. With the Spirit, it's live. Without the Spirit, there's no God's presence. With the Spirit, you have God's presence. The choice is very clear. You either what? You either rule by yourself and be dead, or you are ruled by the Spirit and and have life. And I hope that you're choosing the rest and you know that you belong to God. My dear friends, we must not live to satisfy our desires. If you do, you will die. Again, death. But you will live if, by the help of God's Spirit, you say no to your desires. Remember the four pillars? The four pillars, supreme love for God, and then devotion to the Word, and then what? Die to self. If you die to self, you say yes to God, and no to yourself. Can you imagine if that if that man, the husband, said, okay, yes to myself. Okay, go, go. I don't need you. I will look for another wife. He could have said that, right? But what did he say? No. Even if I'm hurting, even if you've cheated upon me, God said, I will pursue you because I cannot let you go. You are my wife. Was he hurting, you think? He was. He was bleeding inside. And all he could say was what? Just a cup of coffee, please? I'm sure he was hurting. He could have just said, go. I don't need you. I deserve a better wife. How many, how many, how many of us are like that? Because we are so what? Self-centered. We are governed by our desires. We always say yes to our desires. Verse 14. Only those people who are led by God's Spirit are his children. God's spirit doesn't make us slaves who are afraid of him. Instead, we become his children and call him our father. Our father. Spirit-filled is being God's presence. Obviously, here's what we need to do. If we are to disciple one another, look at me. If you and I are to become the kind of Christians that will change the world, we have something basic that we need to do, folks. And that is what? Curb our appetite. Our appetite for self is so great, it needs to be curbed. It needs to be refrained. You know, uh, you might as well replace that sandwich that this woman is holding with what? Money. With what? Career. With what? Anything that you want to devour here and now. You know what I learned about appetites of self? Two words. 
I want more, and I want it now. You know, last week, your leadership went through a, a um, moment of training. And we were shared, you know, how, how, how evil and how, how bad the appetite of self is. We were exposed to Esau. You know what Esau? In the Esau, Esau. He is the twin brother of Jacob. Okay? They were the children of Isaac. Right? You know the story, right? Esau is a hunter. And he was so hungry, he sold his birthright for what? A bowl of stew. Right? And, and you know, and, and Jacob apparently wanted that birthright. That's why he was, he was taught by his mother on how to get that birthright. But the point about this is Esau was so what? Preoccupied with himself and his appetite that he gave up his birthright. And you know, if you think about the birthright, you'd be, you'd be amazed at what people trade up for something like a bowl of stew. A birthright in those days is, you know, you're supposed to get double portion of, um, of the inheritance, okay? Uh, let's say you're two divided by two. No, let's say it's three. Okay, my head up in two. Three. You're three children. Okay? It's divided by, divided by four. Okay? The three of you will get a share of one third but the other one will get at two portions, okay? But the birthright that 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 uh, uh, Esau or the Bible was talking about was not the money. The birthright that the Bible was talking about was more of what? The promised covenant of God to be God's chosen people. And you know, and, and the, the, the speaker, Andy Stanley, you know, just really grabbed me and grabbed all of the other leaders and he said, can you imagine at that point where Esau was saying, Come on, Jacob, give me the stew. I'm so hungry. I'm going to die. I'm so famished. Okay? And you know, at that point, Andy Stanley said, can you imagine if there was a discipler right there and interfered and said, wait a minute, Iso, wait a minute. Before you get that, he said, don't you think you have to consider, you know, what you're giving up? Iso, Iso, you know, just, just, just think about this. When people pray, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. You know what I'm saying? What does the Bible say? The God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because he gave up his birthright. If somebody was there to interfere at that moment, to reframe and curb that appetite, things would have been different for Esau. And many times we are like that. We need to curb and reframe our appetites. And who's going to make that happen? Folks, godly people around you, and most especially the Holy Spirit, that's why we need discipleship. I'm begging you. I'm begging you almost. On your own, we can be lost. But we need to be refrained. How do we do that? On your own power? No way. No way. What happened to Esau? He ate. <laughs> Sarap. Okay. Lami. No? Okay. What happened? He lost everything. He lost everything. You give up everything for a bowl of stew. What is your bowl of stew today? Do you have bowl of stews that you're giving up? God's birthright for you? Ouch. 
Impossible on your own? Yes. With the Holy Spirit? Yes way, you can do it. And that's why we would like to learn what it means to go to discipleship, not on our own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Discipleship? Yes. That's why we are talking about it. Appetite. There was this guy who's who's, uh, having problems with obesity. He didn't believe he had a problem with obesity. He went to the doctor and he he wanted his his, uh, obesity checked. I don't look like that, right? Do I? So he went to the doctor and the doctor, you know, examined him and he said, you know, uh, I, I don't see anything wrong with your appetite. That's the good news, he said. Nothing wrong with your appetite. The bad news is this. According to your weight, you're not as tall as you should be. Okay. Why, are you, why are you laughing at me? You even laugh harder. See, obviously our appetites need to be curbed. They need to be refrained. And that's the function of discipleship. Ulrich, I will interfere in your life if I have to. And you can interfere in my life if you need to. That's discipleship. Tony, Willie, I look at all the men. Of course, I, I, I will not disciple the women. My, the women will be discipled by my wife. And that's what we will be doing. We will interfere with one another to curb one another's appetite. But you know what? More than us, the Holy Spirit will do it for us. And that's why we need to learn how we can be Holy Spirit ruled and how we can be Holy Spirit empowered. Is that okay with you? First, one must have the Holy Spirit in his or her life. That's the first step. Question, do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? Hello? Not so convincing, okay? Because no Holy Spirit, no disciple. You know, no Holy Spirit, no disciple. I hope you are at the stage in your Christian life that you know for sure that you have the Holy Spirit. Many people think they're saved. Many people think that they're going to heaven. But if you look at their lives, they're not changing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not there. They're not empowered. They keep what? Being selfish and going through their old motions of sinning and sinning all over again. And they say that they're Christians. Maybe not. So first is you should have the Holy Spirit in your life. Second, Ephesians 5.18. Oh, sorry. In Ephesians 1.13 to 14. Can you open your Bible and just take a look at that, please? Ephesians 1.13 to 14. It says, how do you know that you have the Holy Spirit in you? It says, in Him. Okay, if you, if you can, if you can look at your Bible, I will not show it in the, in the screen. It says, in Him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with a promised Holy Spirit. Did you see that? The only way that you and I can have the Holy Spirit of God is if you've heard the gospel, you've been shared the gospel, you believe the gospel, you've accepted Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, believe by faith that He alone can save you and that He alone can remove all of your sins. And if you believe that sincerely, at that moment of truth, the Bible says, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of promise, whether you like it or else. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting baloktot in my tongue, huh? Gita? Whether you like it or else, whether you like it or not, you have the Holy Spirit of God. 
Mark my word. And the Holy Spirit of God will start working in your life. And then, what do you do next? Ephesians 5.18. This is very important. First, you have the Holy Spirit. And then, you allow the Holy Spirit to take full control of you. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? Be filled with the Spirit. At first, I did not understand this. You know, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. But you know what? The Word of God is always perfect. The Word of God does not make mistake, right, Willie? You know, he did not put the word get drunk there with wine because he made a mistake. No. He placed it there for you and I. Especially those who got drunk in the past. Nalasing na ba kayo? Hindi pa. Mga girls hindi pa. Pero the guys, okay? You know, what happens when the Holy Spirit fails people? What happens when the Holy Spirit are ruled, okay? Or the Holy Spirit rules the people? Very simple. Like for example, in the book of Acts, there was Pentecost, right? You know, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. There were tongues of fire. And you know what happened next? Believe me, they, they became so powerful that they turned the world upside down. Christianity was, was started there and Christianity was never the same as a result of that. In Acts chapter 2 verse 8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. When you and I receive the Holy Spirit, we will become distinguished witnesses. Witnesses for what Christ has done. And you know what happened? If you, if you take a time to read the book of Acts, right after they received the Holy Spirit, there was an upheaval. There was, there was, there was people started to be saved and it started a vibrant church altogether, right? And there was there was this um, there was this upheaval which you can see. I will just go through this quickly, just to show you what happened when the Holy Spirit filled people. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, "Brethren, what shall we do?" Peter said to them, "Repent, each of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. With many And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41, So then those who had received his word were baptized. That day were added about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine? Would you like to see 3,000 souls added right away in one day? You know what? That's possible with God. And how do we do that? If all of us will be filled with the Spirit. If all of us will speak in tongues. If all of us will intervene in the lives of people to show people that we are different. And you know, that's exactly what happened in the book of Acts. 3,000 were added. And then verse 2, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property. Wow! Possessions. And were sharing them with all anyone that might need. Can you see the fellowship? Can you see the dynamism happening right there? And I, I, I'm really hoping that we here in this fellowship will become like them. We only think of what? The glory of God. 
We only think of what will happen if God fills our lives. And then let's jump to the last part. Praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amazing, isn't it? When people are filled with the Spirit, there is revival. There is upheaval. What exactly do we mean by ruled or empowered by the Spirit? Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled simply means be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Be drunk with the Holy Spirit in much the same way as when one is drunk with wine. You understand what I'm saying? Right? Here's this guy who's drunk with alcohol. Lasheng. <laughs> you know, you guys, you know, when you were younger and you wanted to approach a beautiful lady, you could not do it. Right, Tony? You could not, right? Because you're not as handsome as I am, okay? So, you know, you cannot easily approach a woman. What do you do? You go to the bar and... Then you become bold, okay? Hello, okay? Pero amoy alcohol, no? But what happens? Because alcohol changes your behavior. You become bolder. You become, you become more expressive. It changes you, but it's not you, right? Who is the one making you do it? The spirit of... Alcohol. And you know what? That's the kind of concept that being filled with the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. If you are filled with the Spirit, you are dead and somebody takes over. And believe me, that's possible if you believe. Many of us don't experience it because we don't believe. Right? Being filled with the Spirit means what? It means being fully controlled by the Holy Spirit. Right? If you're driving drunk, how many of you... You know, drove in Manila, drunk, so drunk that even they even got home. They didn't even know how to. They got they got to their bed, right? The ladies are smiling. You probably did that too, right? No, no, but I, it happened to me when I, in my younger days, right? But you know, I couldn't understand how I did it, but I did it just the same. And now God is telling me, hey, you know, if you know what that means, replace the alcohol with the Holy Spirit, and let go, and the Holy Spirit will take over. And you'll be just fine. Why? Because the Holy Spirit alone equips. Alone teaches. He alone reminds. He alone convicts. Leads. I can go on and on. Leads towards what? Towards unconditional, sacrificial love, humility, and selflessness. And when that happens, you become the kind of disciple that can interfere in the lives of other people. Drunk. A drunk man from a party, fell in an open grave. He was so drunk. Then he decided to take a shortcut. Okay? He left his car, he decided to take a shortcut and pass through the cemetery. It was so dark, he fell. Okay? When he fell, he was trying to climb up, he could not because the, the, it was so high and it was so slippery. He was climbing up and he could not do it. So he just sat down there in the dark, exhausted. And then there was another drunk man by the name of Pastor Insong, okay? He was also drunk, and then he fell too on the same graveyard, okay? He fell. He didn't know that Danny was there, okay? He fell, so he started crawling up, crawling up, and he was falling too in the dark. Uh, Danny was saying, you know, to himself, crazy man. 
He was climbing up and climbing up. He was falling down. And then Danny could not resist it any longer. He said, you'll never make it. Okay? Just stop. He thought it was a ghost. Okay? He jumped and he went out. Okay? <laughs> you know, guys, if we are motivated by anything, by fear or by whatever, we are able to do something, right? And my, my prayer for all of us is that we will be motivated to, to help um, change the world. And we cannot change the world unless we are Holy Spirit filled. And when we are filled with the Spirit, we have so much benefits that will make us distinguished and attractive beyond even recognition. For example, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have life and peace. Not dead and restless. You like that? That's found in Romans 8, 5 to 6. You belong to God because you're a child of God and not an enemy of God. You like that? I like that. Where does it begin? Have the Holy Spirit, be a Christian, and be filled with the Spirit. Then what? You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 Flesh. You know, I, I discovered an acrostic for flesh. Frequently, long, established sin habits. You like that? Flesh. You will overcome the flesh. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh if you have the Holy Spirit. And what's more important is this. You will overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of this will be so evident in your life that you will, people will not recognize you. People, you will become so attractive and so distinguished to the world out there that they would want to become like you and like a Christian. You will be rested. You will be in His presence. You will be intimate with God. And you will always be looking like this when people look at you rested and sleeping. For the men, you will look like this, okay? Right? For the women, you will look like that little girl. But for the men, you will look like this. Can you imagine Tony, okay? Sleeping like that, okay? Rested. He was looking for his golf ball. He could not find it, okay? (laughs) Seriously, what will happen to you is if you're filled with the Spirit is this. You and I will be more rested than before. You and I will be more distinguished. People will look at you and say, I want you. Because I see God in you. And then what will happen? You will become fishers of men. Because you will be good disciples who will make disciples of others. And more importantly, I will close with this. You can intervene to change the trajectories of people who are lost, who are hurting, and can make a difference in their lives. Because you're filled with the Spirit. You and I can be godly men and women touched by God who will tell others that they, the lost, are loved, are forgiven by God's grace and goodness just like you and me. We have a story. And we can make a difference. What will happen to this city? What will happen to Pasadena? What will happen to Lakewood? What will happen to to Panorama City? There will be upheaval. There will be upheaval and revival in our local communities as life trajectories of the lost and restless are changed towards healing 
and restlessness. How will that happen? Simply through Holy Spirit ruled, Holy Spirit empowered discipleship. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, fill us with your spirit. But before that, Lord, I pray. Come into our hearts and come into our lives. If there's any one of us here right now who is not sure that he has the Holy Spirit in him or in her, we would like you to take this opportunity to, to ask Jesus into your heart. To humble yourselves and even repent of your sinfulness. Repent of, of, of your selfishness, of your greed and your, your self-focus that has prevented you from coming to God. If God is speaking to you right now and, and, and you want the Holy Spirit in you because you want to be the kind of Christian that will be rested and distinguished, then this is the time for you to say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe that you're the only one who can save me. So Lord Jesus, save me. I believe in you with all of my heart that you're the only one who can save me. And I believe that if I accept you as my Lord and Savior, you promised in your word in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, that you will seal me with your spirit. And if I have the spirit of the living God in me, then I am saved. Lord Jesus, I believe you come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sins. And I believe that you're the only one who can save me. If you pray that prayer, then the Holy Spirit is right there in you, with you right now to give you life. As for those of us who have had the Holy Spirit living in our hearts and we have not been just filled with and controlled with the Spirit, maybe this is the time for us to ask God to forgive us of our ignorance and perhaps our many times that we have ignored the Spirit. And this is the time to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, to fill us and to control us, to be drunk with you, to, to, to be led by you, to be convicted by you, to be, to, 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 to be changed by you, to demonstrate your fruit in our lives so that we can become the kind of distinguished Christians that we ought to be. And Father, I pray that the reason for doing that is because we want, we want to help others grow in their Christian life. We want to intervene in the trajectories of other, life, other people's lives so that, Lord, they too can experience your blessing. Be drenched by your love. Be changed by your love. Father, use CCF. Use this small church to make a revival in our community. Lord, begin with us. Begin with our families. Begin with ourselves so that truly, Lord, we can become the hope of the nation. Thank you, Lord. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like to invite you, you know, there will be, you know, uh, in some Bible studies there are already, um, there are already uh, um, the Holy Spirit series. But in other Bible studies we will start the study of the Holy Spirit in depth. If you want to really experience the power of the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to join our regular weekly Bible studies. Okay? Now, for your discussion groups, I only have one question. Do you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you? How do you know? Okay? So, we can now go into our groups if you like.
And Pastor Insong, would you have the announcements? Okay.